Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm in product design at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. We're your hosts. Hello. So today we have Scott Kravitz on the show, and we're excited for y'all to talk to him because um, he has been called the Indiana Jones of the fabric world. So he has lots of good stories for mm-hmm. us. We feel like you'll really enjoy it. But before we do that, we're going to do some trials and triumphs. So, okay, do I need to go first? Go, Caroline. Okay. All right. So I have mentioned on the show before that I have a addiction to roses. Yes, you have mentioned that. <laughs> um, and y'all... Okay, growing well, so, them in your yard. You like growing yes, them. Yes, growing yeah. them in our yard. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, by last count, I think there were eight climbing roses that we planted in our yard. Um, and they're all antique roses. Well, so the first two that I planted that were like really my gateway drug to these antique roses, the first two roses that we planted on our house was right after we moved in five years ago. We planted them on the front of our house and my goal was to have them climb up the front of the house and cross over our porch so that it had this like pretty sort of archway over our front porch. Mm -hmm. Well, they did it. They did it. Five years later, as of this week, they are finally kissing. Over our front porch, and it brings me a stupid amount of joy. They you haven't bloomed yet. Real <laughs> you are so happy. They haven't bloomed yet this but year. But they're they, kissing. But um, what color is this rose? Kissing it, cousin. It's mm-hmm. called Buff Beauty. So it's buff. And she is apricot colored. Oh, pretty. Ooh. Um, about three to four inch, um, like bud. Mm-hmm. And um, um, how do you? No, I'm so. I'm learning something new about you right now. <laughs> and they bloom from March through October. So they usually bloom three to four times a year. And anyway, it just makes me really happy. It's my favorite of all of the roses we've planted. And I just think they're really pretty. And they're finally meeting. So it brings me a very a lot of joy. Oh, I see. I so, just Googled your buff beauty. Yeah. So it's sort Ooh. of a apricotty, orangey. Did you pick that to go with your house? Yes, I did. It is sold out. You cannot have any. Well, Ooh, they, they only... Steel Carolines. It depends on the rose variety. Some of them only ship in the summer. Some only ship in the fall. Uh, it depends on when you're supposed to plant mm-hmm. it. So we planted these. We bought our house in July. We planted them in like October. Hmm. Um, but anyways, I highly recommend an antique rose because you really don't have to do that much to it. it it's like... Um, see, and a lot of them actually came from cemeteries. So if y'all have ever been to Oakland Cemetery in Atlanta, mm-hmm. they have like dozens and dozens and dozens of roses everywhere because a lot of times people that couldn't afford to put a headstone on their family member's grave, they would plant a rose. Oh, pretty. Yeah. And so a lot of them are just like grow wild in cemeteries. Anyway, Neat. So that's a little tidbit for you. But I will post a picture and share with y'all. Excellent. How that's your triumph. What's your trial? My trial is that we have had a boatload of rain recently. So much rain. And so you know what happens when it rains a ton. Flood. That. Or you have lovely little yellow spots that appear on your ceiling. Oh, your house is leaking again? So (laughs) we had a new roof put on about two and a half years ago. But evidently, and I don't know anything about roofing, so I don't 
didn't know to like not I didn't know to look for this but I guess they didn't put new flashing around our chimney and so the area where like the brick of the chimney and the shingles met I guess hadn't been replaced and so it was leaking and so one day we looked up and we're like what well why is there like yellowing Mm. drywall on or sheetrock on our ceiling so that has been a joy luckily now it's fixed but now we gotta like get up there and freaking paint the you know all of that but anyway so that was a bummer but luckily it's fixed now we just have to paint and all that but so if you're getting a new chimney anyone or a new roof roof, anytime soon make sure they reflect they replace all that flashing because it might save you a little money in the front end but it's going to cost you in the back end Mm -hmm. and that was the mistake we made and next time we have a roof put on a house all new flashing yes all new flashing so good to know i did not know that all right yep okay well my trial is more it's just some of y'all roll your eyes at me, I'm sure. I am. All right. You, Karen fully this is going to roll her eyes at better this. Better be good. And, no, it's just the fact that I finally had to put up baby foam on my <laughs> fireplace and on my furniture. It, what does that even mean? It's like the little foam edge you put on your furniture that's... that. It's not like it's, mini foam. Why do you put that on your furniture? Because there's corners. He's... So, what? Wait, so no, he doesn't crack his head. Honestly. So he legitimately doesn't crack his head. That is like babies fall and crack their heads. It's okay. I don't want him to crack his head. Is my point anyway? I did it. <laughs> I just sucked it up and did it. But I've already started designing my own foam line because <laughs> the options are not very good. Mm-mm. So stay tuned, guys. <laughs> okay. If you would like to purchase my design, which I have not started. presented yet, we'll go fund There needs to be a better a starter. Option. What's that thing called? When we all so, have money to start, isn't it? How does the foam like adhere to double-sided tape? Okay, which is going to probably be the finish. Off yeah, it? yeah, it I probably can't is. You're doing this. It's so odd to me. Well, I definitely did the fireplace first because it's white. You brick, have like a brick painted. hearth yeah. around. Mm-hmm. 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 It's raised, and he just loves to walk over and crawl up it and down it and up and down it. And I I like posted a photo and a friend was like, hey, FYI, just so you know, my son cracked his head open a few weeks ago on ours. So I would just, you know, recommend yeah. this. And I was like, you're right. I need to do it. So I did it because it's temporary and yeah. he is wandering around the house and the dog is also knocking him over. I have a video that was not funny, but now I've been sending it to my friends and they've all been dying laughing of Elliot walking and Baylor just comes ripping through the room and he just falls really hard. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> but also funny if Karen wants to watch it now. He's fine, so it's funny now. Yes. Um, so there's also, he just gets, not, he get, he more than just falling, he gets pushed into things even more. So there's more accidents happening than I yeah. want to happen. So I'm just being a good parent so that but i'm not good designer. unlike you karen yeah uh-huh <laughs> like i thought about literally like putting away the coffee like getting a like upholstered like thing for the room and moving my coffee table and i was like by the time i order those <laughs> the fabric i want he'll probably be out of this phase so we'll see uh, it's not true. that big a deal uh, but it's ugly ugly it's super ugly <laughs> so you should like upholster it you should like uh, yeah upholster put fabric around the foam yeah, well, I had actually thought about getting a cover made for the coffee table that has, like, that's oh, yeah. upholstered. And it's just, like, having them, like, foam up the top. We could probably sew that ourselves. Probably. Have a sewing machine. Let's oh, do it. I have a slipcover lady. 
I wonder if she could make a slip cover for your wooden coffee table. You couldn't do the fireplace. No, well, no. But, but the coffee table would be great just because there are corners. But again, by the time you, it, well, I, I guess it just depends I on where know. you want to spend your money. But you're going to have another, you might have another baby someday. <laughs> I like how you whispered that. <laughs> You might have another baby. You might have another. Don't tell Karen. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, hi, baby. <laughs> well, my triumph is that there was this rug on um, this place I follow, and I loved it, and I purchased it, and I put it in my front hallway, and I'm obsessed. Oh, good. Um, it is vivid, and it is asymmetrical, and are you gonna it has keep the name of this it. awesome rug? source all to yourself or are you gonna no, share it's final it cut of- it's okay. final cut from augusta georgia but my mom okay. lives there so i was like ma go down the road Get when they that. open she literally was like i'm in the car <laughs> so she drove she drove over there and got it um and looks great in my front hall and i it just you know anything new like that that you visually you know kind of mm-hmm. turns your eye uh, in the room you walk past every day is great. So, yeah. So wait, like you it. saw they posted on Instagram like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we have this," and mm-hmm. then you, okay, yeah, and they put the prize and it was like a hundred bucks for a five by eight, and I was like, "Ma, I need it." And it has it literally has that fuchsia pink that my juju hat is. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way of um, putting leaves. that in my front hallway, and it goes with um, the pillows David got in Guatemala. They have a little bit of that, so it really just like plays up that pattern and anyway, it pulls just, the room together, as the dude would say. As he will, yes. Do either of you get that reference? Oh. I'm no. pretty sure oh it's from um, The Big Lebowski. But I've never seen that movie, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I thought we were talking about Mr. Kravitz. No, <laughs> the rug. It pulls the room we together. I him, dude. No, okay. and his name was the dude. Never mind. God. I hate y'all. Someone listening will get your reference. Everyone listening laugh. will get my reference. <laughs> well, everyone over 35. <laughs> Maybe 45. <laughs> Karen, don't age yourself. Okay, um, your turn. No, I turned 50 this year. Yeah, is, that your tr- is that your trial? That's my trial. <laughs> no. Okay, here's my triumph. Um, I feel like my basement is pretty much done. Yay. Sort of. That's really exciting. It's pretty much done. It looks good, you guys. I'm really excited about it. I want you to come over and see it. Will you send some pictures? Yeah, but you know, I'm not great at taking them, but yeah, I'll send some. I bet if you gave your phone to Jacob... He would be able to get some pictures. You know those millennials. Or have us over He's for wine and I'll He's take photos. Okay. He's Gen, Genera- Gen X. Z. Z. Yes, Gen whatever. Z. You know those Gen <clears throat> Zers. Those youngins. All right. They know all about the telephones. I'll, I'll have him try to take some photos. Um, but it's pretty much done. It look, I feel like it looks really good. We just hang out there by ourselves, my husband and I, sometimes. <laughs> it's supposed to be like a bar entertaining space. But we're like, let's just go hang out in the bar. We'll go down there and like get go a down beer and out of the, the kegerator and sit at the bar. And we'll watch sports at the bar. <laughs> That's a little bar. I that love is that. really cute and super goofy it's at the so same time. It's so goofy. Yeah, totally nerdy. Um, but anyway, so it's good. That's my triumph. My trial is, you know, I ordered a banquette. Mm-hmm. To go in this space, and I, you know, I used our floor plan configurator thing to literally, Wait. you guys. I used this floor plan tool to do my whole basement. Mm-hmm. Um, to, I know we preach about it, right? To figure out the whole thing because I had columns that couldn't be moved, and so I, I, you know, mapped all that out, and then I figured out, okay, I'll put the walls here, and then this will create this room and that space. So I used the whole thing. And so I ordered my banquette. You'd think that if I'm able to like plan out the whole basement, I'd order the right size banquette. But no, no. Order the wrong size banquette. I, I, I feel like I did measure. I swear I measured. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what happened was I ordered 
um, the Deidre in this mustardy velvet. And the walls are like a peacocky blue. So it's sort of like a whiskey yellow and a peacock blue. It looks really pretty together. Um, and it goes around a corner. And so it's like, I'd say it's like four feet. It's like a 36 inch and then a 36 inch corner. And then what I needed was a six foot bench. Mm. But what I ordered was a 60 inch bench, mm. not 72. Mm. So it's too short. So what mm. I ended up doing was ordering another corner and putting it down at the end. And it all works fine. And it lucky for me, it, the velvets came in the same color, same dye lot and everything. But it looks great. And the Deidre is a channel back, which means it's it's got up and down stitching in the back. That's how it's... Seashell. Yeah. Yeah, like a seashell. Um, so you can't tell where they fit together because oh, you don't see the nice. seams like that. So it looks really good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. So that that other corner mm-hmm. is it ending in a corner or is it just? It's- it doesn't exactly end in a corner, but I decided that that was okay. So I put it there, and then I put the miles red black uh, marbly table oh. there, right next to it, which is perfect. And I got his red lamp. Which y'all this probably sounds like it's crazy because it's peacock walls and this red lamp and this like that sound like a lot of whiskey colored. But what it is is it's all sort of dark and jewelry, so it all just kind of works together. Yeah. So I got that and put that, and it all fits perfectly right there. And you like your bar stools because you got a bar. I yeah, I got the Compton's bar from Ballard, which you guys, it looks like it was built into the house. It looks so good. But the great thing is, like, if we ever want to redo that space and not have it be a bar, you just put that thing on the curb or you sell it or you move it to the room or we move, we take it with us. And that could just be an apartment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got bar stools. I ended up getting velvet on the bar stools and on the banquette, even though this is an area off the pool. And I know people will be coming in in wet bathing suits and blah, 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 blah. But I just decided I didn't care. I just decided, you know what? I want it to feel luxurious mm-hmm. and real loungy. Um, and I did spray it with like Vectra or um, mm-hmm. what do you call that stuff? Scotchgard. Scotchgard. I sprayed it with that. So, if, you know, if it do spill something on it, you can get it off. But it's just going to get worn and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. So I got a blue velvet. It doesn't exactly match the walls on the bar stools. Mm-hmm. And then I got that mustard whiskey color velvet on the banquette. And then I got these two vintage chairs that are like a, a purple eggplant color. You mentioned them on the podcast. I did. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it all works. I know it sounds like disgustingness. It but does I need not. To see this. It all works. It does not sound disgusting. It sounds it yummy. Does to me. <laughs> it sounds like a lot, and I love color, so I want to see this. Okay, well, come over. Well, I think it's. I I do. I have not seen it, and so I totally trust you that you did a great mm. job. But you know how when you like when it's a whole bunch of solids, it's harder for me to understand their layering. Like if you had been like, I don't know, like. It was this pattern, and if you were like, "Oh, well, we had this fabric," and then I think it's harder to do a from ton, the like that. How many fabrics is that? Five. Um. Okay. Well, what's predominant in this space is the wall color, right? Because I painted the walls and the trim and the ceiling, everything. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same this color. Box. So it's all just this blue box, and it's because mm-hmm. we had because it was a basement. We had all kinds of weird ducting, and, and the ceiling is mm-hmm. sort of, you know, janked up. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm not even going to try to figure this out. It's all going to be one color, and it'll all just kind of blend together, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it'll feel cozy. And when you're in the kitchen, we have the little kitchen part, and because it's a basement, the the kitchen cabinets are also peacock. They're blue, too. I got them from Ikea. They're awesome. Um, because it's a basement, the... 
where the ce- the ceiling height in the kitchen is the lowest part. So when mm-hmm. you're in the back, where it's at the bar, it's the highest. It's almost, I'd say it's like, you know, over eight feet in the back. But when you're in the kitchen, like I can put my hand up and touch the ceiling. It's just a little bit higher than the fridge. But when you're in there, it feels like you're in a boat or something. Mm-hmm. It yeah. doesn't feel, mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, it doesn't feel bad. It all feels really kind of good. It feels good. Well, I guess the dark, the dark, Nate or the blue on the stools probably blends more with the wall. So yeah, that so the, one goes the away cabinets, completely. The stools, all of that just all mm. feels like one thing. And mm. then all you've got is like this mustard yellow mm-hmm. and this dark purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's not a ton of it. Yeah. I'll show you pictures. You'll love it. No, I'm you better love, love it. For or at least lie to me. <laughs> lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get to our guest. All right, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to have Scott Kravitz here today. If you've been in the interior design world, you've probably heard the name Kravitz. You've probably bought something from him. You've probably bought something <laughs> from sure. Kravitz. A whole lot. He hopes. They just had their 100-year anniversary last year, and their name is synonymous with fine fabrics. But over the years, they've branched out into furnishings, carpetings, all sorts of goodies. And... Um, our guest today, Scott Kravitz, is the executive creative director. Is that correct? I guess so. <laughs> and in the fourth generation of the Kravitz family, although now you have five generations we that do. worked there. And okay, I read this article from Tori Malott, um, one of our a previous guests and a friend of ours, and she called you the Indiana Jones of the fabric world, which I think is the coolest title. So tell me why you think you get that honor. Well, the job is not really a job, but it, it's just an exploratory of finding these great little mills or nuances of textiles to make whatever our studios can dream of happen. So it's really just traveling around. Like we went to last week to the Paris Flea Market, um, spent four hours trying to catch all the textile vendors, asking the carpet people where their textiles are. It's in a little bag underneath their desk. And then with our design team, can we translate this scrap into a great textile, whether it be a print, wallpaper, woven, or embroidery. So we did a lot of damage last week. <laughs> um, it's all coming. So, and actually, there are archival people who pick for us around the world. They speak sixteen languages, so they have pickers in different countries. So I would say he's the most knowledgeable textile person that I know of. And when Christie's or Sotheby's wants to know a date of a textile, they ask him about it. Wow. So um, I piggyback onto him for the last 35 <laughs> years. So whenever he has something spectacular, I go. So just as a, for instance, wow. there was a mill that was in France, um, 1850 to 1990s. They wove textiles and carpets, 100,000 pieces of art in the attic. The mill family couldn't take it over anymore. So my person bought all those pieces, 100,000 pieces of art, wrapped them in garbage bags and threw them out the window. And he lives in Budapest and he says, you got to come look at him. So I flew to Budapest and went through 100,000 pieces of art in four days, covered in schmutz, really filthy. And I came back and bought a significant amount of them, increased the value of our archive tremendously. And my brother-in-law, my brother and I have never had a bad word in 35 years. He goes, you idiot. He goes, what's the matter? He goes, go back and buy more. So I flew back and, and bought more. So it's arts and crafts, Turn of the century, Art Nouveau, Art Deco, Bauhaus, and modern. So whatever period you want, we have. And um, we're going to actually have the New York School of Interior Design take some of these and put them on display. My sister's the chairman of that uh, wonderful institution. Wow. So yeah, if you don't share the archives, 
then it means nothing. Right, so to have it point. tucked away mm-hmm. and no one gets to see it, I mean, it really is sad. So just for instance, we had Deco off last week in Paris and we have a nice little showroom there on Rue de Mai. All the trade is there. And I brought some of our archives with me from the turn of century 1900s. So imagine yourself sitting in a, you know, a little Parisian cafe and on the menu is one of these, these beautiful designs. So we're going to leave them there and they'll frame them, not to use for inspiration for um, textiles, but just to capture the spirit of living in Paris 100 years ago. So the wow. archives, they translate and hit you in different ways and they all have some significance. And then some of them never get any love. And I'm still looking at the ones that we do have. So also shop in your own closet because yeah. we have 35,000 pieces of textiles in that archive. And we have an archive in the UK, which is down in Poole, which is mostly GP and J Baker archives. And those are uh, mostly burr designs, also prints on linens and velvets. So um, depends on what style you like. But the Art Nouveau you see in France isn't the same as the Art Nouveau you see in England is not the same right. Art Nouveau you see in, in, in Vienna. So even though you capture a period, the art is completely different. And then what do you do with it afterwards? So our studio people come into the archives and they filter and they pick and then you throw darts and eventually something about a year and a half translates into a, a part of your line. Wow. So, okay, so that sort of brings us to um, the like designer collaborations, I guess. There are a lot of fabric lines in your collection that are, are they curated by a designer that lends their name to it? Like, how does that work? So it depends on which brand we have. So we have Mm -hmm. Kravit. We have Kravit, Mm -hmm. which is our main brand. Then we acquired Lee Jofa, which is an English bent line, um, 1995. And then we acquired Brunswick and Fee in 2000, I don't know, 12, 11. So they're French. So Mm -hmm. we have French, English, and American and under each of those brands, we have different licensors. Mm-hmm. So Brunswick, not so much. Just one of our high-end customers out of Montreal decided to do a line for us. So Les Ensembles, they have their own perspective. They came to our archive, picked through, and then we created a line for them from that. Um, Lee Chofa has a long list of Susan both. Kassler's in there. So Susan Kassler, right? yeah. which mm-hmm. is Atlanta-based, very talented mm-hmm. lady, um, works for you guys yes, as well. partner with us. So <laughs> she's really good. So that's one perspective. Oscar de la Renta at Lee Chofa. Um, we've got Kelly Worsler at Groundworks. So mm-hmm. different perspectives, so more contemporary, more traditional. Um, Suzanne Reinstein, Thomas O'Brien. So those are all people who come with ideas or concepts to us, either artwork or they have their own scraps. Mm-hmm. So for instance, Kelly Worsler, she's extremely um, talented and she has a textile collection of her own. So she's got scraps and bits of trimmings and vintage things she bought at flea markets and I can dig through hers or she can dig through ours and they're all all fantastic. But she's a a, a real textile junkie. So, okay, maybe I'm misunderstanding, but so I guess what you're saying is when a designer decides I want to work with Kravit, she or he, they are sort of under a Lee Jofa, French Rook of Fees or or Kravit. Kravit. But how do you determine which one? Depends upon their aesthetic and how they do their research. Okay. So Oscar Lorenzo was a perfect fit for Lee Jofa. Uh Calvin Klein was a little more contemporary, fit more into Kravit. Um, So it depends on Mm. their perspective. Uh That makes sense. And what they bring to the table. So we have, you know, Tom Felicia and we have Jeffrey Allen Marks. Those designers are very much geared for um, more of a mass market. So they'll cater to the Kravit end of our portfolio line where we convert our own products and to try to sell piece goods to Ethan Allen, Calico Corners, to yourselves, to right. furniture manufacturers. So there's some volume there and it's priced accordingly. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And you have the final say on every single design. I do. So I have a great, a power. I have a great team. <laughs> I got about 45 people in different studios and 
they work with licensors. They do a lot of the color work back and forth, the strikeoffs back and back and forth. So I get involved in different times of the stages of that. But then the final say, it's you know it's, it's family money we're playing with. Sure. So I decide <laughs> on textiles for the most part, wallpaper and carpeting. And that final say when you're when you give something the Knicks, it's because you're like that's just not going to sell or it's, what? It's either too expensive for mm-hmm. the mass for the for the potential of return. Um, it's too out there, and won't have that repeat for the mill. So mm-hmm. all the investment you have, asking the mill to create the the strike offs and the trials, and if you're not going to give any repeat, then it's too limited. They're not going to want to do business for, with you in the future. Mm-hmm. And also, if there's a crossover between the studios, so I don't want to buy the same looking skew yeah. at Kravitz, Leach, Alfred, and Brundrick. So we have to play nicely in the sandbox. And if there's duplication, that's where it gets the cut. Mm-hmm. Now, do you yeah. have to say to Kelly, Kelly, that is ugly, and we're not running it? Um. I'll rein her in and say, well, Kelly's probably the most furthest one out of all the designers. Uh-huh. So she wants a currently a, a mustard colored ground. Mustard's not appealing to the mass market, but you know what? That's why we hire her. So I go with, I, I give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Yeah. So I'll put in five to seven colors of that and I won't give her eight or 10. Got it. Because after a, a certain amount of color line, there's a diminishing return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you put in 10 colorways, you can do great on three or four. And then the rest are sketchy. Right. Talk to us about, I feel like there, there are a couple of prints, especially in, particularly in Kelly's line, that now you just have seen everywhere. But I imagine when she first came to you, and I'm thinking of like that trellis, and then she has that e-cat that there's like a pink version. And um, anyway. So she's, I, she's ahead of the curve. So, she really so what is. does that conversation she, look like in the beginning? She said, I mean, first of all, the light is different in California. Mm-hmm. So it's different Kool-Aid. We mentioned that before, Kool-Aid. So <laughs> you, have to, you have to drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Her aesthetics were the 1960s or 1970, 1980s. So she's been there before the rest of the market gets there, which is really what you're hoping to glean from her. Not everything she does is 100% seller, but her batting average is way ahead of everyone else. And it's our largest licensor at Groundworks. Wow. Yeah, by far. And we have wallpaper with her textiles indoor textiles indoor outdoor uv friendly trimmings and then printed pony skins so we always rotate those things through um and she's she's very very involved so some licensors are not i they'll show me some reference books they'll show me some things that they were inspired by from our competition or Mm -hmm. from museums or their travels and i can glean what they're talking about and then change their attitude and focus on what i think would actually sell um (laughs) but (laughs) kelly if she puts it out there we we go we try it we go with it how long do you leave something out there before you nix it how do you know it's gonna work or not gonna work before you pull it we don't pull it we we leave it in the line for as long as the mill is in business Uh whether the yarns are still able to die so our fabric will tend to peak between 24 to 36 months and then it kind of slides down but it still runs five seven ten years we have things from uh, the original kelly worsler collection that are still selling so as long as we're able to do it and we don't mind holding on to the inventory mm-hmm. and we have three warehouses so we don't mind right um, what kind of minimums do you have to run so it depends on what the construction is uh-huh. so embroideries is tend to be 100 yards weaves um it could be a piece if it's a common warp um if it's domestically woven if it's a european mill it's sent to be 100 yards but today with digital printing mm-hmm. you can print as little as 50 yards you pay significantly more than a ma- than a bigger run mm-hmm. but if you really needed to, something to print for, f- for 50 yards we can do that so how do you feel about digital printing do you like it digital 
it's gotten it's gotten really better mm-hmm. so i just went to a mill in france a small family business from the 1880s in a beautiful setting clean as can be and they have flatbeds um and they have digital printing the flatbeds only go up to 24 screens so if you want to do something very very complicated with 36 screens or 50 colorways within one design you can't print it conventionally you have to print it digitally so if you have a good separator the person who separates the file for the design then then you can print great digital some of the digital printing you get in india not experienced a little fuzzy a little inexpensive looking Mm -hmm. so it's great the dye stuff is different so there are vat dyes and reactive dyes and they're pigments and the pigments can sit on the surface and they will tend to patina after a year or two. So wear off. They're going to wear out. They're not going to wear off. They, they're going to they're oxidize. They're just going to mm-hmm. not be as mm-hmm. clean or crisp. Uh. So you get what you pay for. So digital is is wonderful. Um, Maybe on it an has occasional a, chair it, that you're not going to ha- sell. It has its pros and cons. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Gotcha. So if you're looking for a beautiful, say it's a hand block fabric that we do in Thailand that used to be in England. So the Thai are very good carvers of blocks. And these block patterns we have about 20 designs overall. They can be from 35 to 365 blocks per design. And they are um, rotated in a big jigsaw puzzle. So you have an apprenticeship of seven years to do a pattern and you do three patterns your whole life and you do three patterns your whole life. Uh. And that's what, it's a 60 yard table and it's an 18 month delivery. So we have about 20 smart patterns that we do that way. Still um, in How Thailand. How much is that a yard? Trade 295. Wow. So that's you a, do a it's, it's, when you think about what processes <laughs> get involved, it's so, actually pretty decent. So if something you suppose a customer wanted to customize mm-hmm. that, that right. hand block and you didn't want to wait eighteen months of delivery, we could do it digitally mm-hmm. and execute three hundred sixty-five colors digitally. So there's your advantage with doing something mm-hmm. digitally. But you have to have a great separator to make sure that it is as good as the original. I mean, you can put it side by side; it's not exact. But when you hang it for drapes or bedspreads, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is not wait. <laughs> I need that slower. So if I were doing this, I was making this fabric or stamping it, I should say. In your seven-year apprenticeship. Do I have to carve this? I don't know if I'm carving too or if no, I'm the just blo- stamping. The blocks exist for the most part. So they're okay. from England. They're mm-hmm. turn of the century. They're 19, you know, 1900s. Um, Do they stay so, up that wall? They're sycamore, so they're super um, dense. dense wood and mm-hmm. very heavy. And on the inside of the block, either, they're either patterned by wood, felt, nails or copper and that creates the design so you have to be a genius in order to carve the blocks into rotation of the pattern you're making mm-hmm. so sometimes the blocks are literally about fist size and then some of them are about you know size of a, uh, a paper so you got to know exactly how you're carving it, what material you're doing and you have to then teach the person how to block it so it's it's a dry on dry you take one block and you make a hand and you make a repeat all the way down 60 yards and then mm-hmm. you wait so it's all dry at the end of the day and yeah. you go back to another block and you always do a fall on. It's always dry on dry where conventional printing today is wet on wet. So you have to know how the color is going to react on dry on dry and be almost like a translucent dye stuff mm-hmm. to get the effect you want. So it's a real it's a real art. I'm, I'm not jaw even dropped. sure like, I am <laughs> comprehending. But I would like a picture. I'm fascinated. Could I'm we put you. a photo up on the show notes so Absolutely. people can kind of see what have, we're talking I whole, about? I have videos of everything. Yeah, it's great. When you talk about things like that, it totally makes, I think, helps people understand why something costs what it costs. Right. Yeah. You know, and you're right. You get what you pay for. And when you're buying something that is you know, wholesale $300 a yard and your mind is blown, well, there's a reason. It's not just because Scott is right. greedy and needs no, a no. new boat. It's actually a great value. And that's the anchor for the, the people's <laughs> decorating. So... Decorating starts with a great print for the most mm, part. Right. I mean, yeah. you, or they have a, Build it a, around a great that. piece mm-hmm. of uh, artwork that they want to 
focus the room around. So it's really one major piece that starts it all and it tends to be the hand block or a large floral print or a design that anchors it. And then everything else gets built around it. You I paint your walls really... to match back your art and fabrics. Yeah. You know, your carpeting gets done. Right. I mean, it's always custom, mm -hmm. but your, your original textile or artwork sets a tone. But that is art in itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, this, it, is, this is, yeah. That is a art. Like, And I uh, found some blocks in our warehouse a couple of months ago that are not traditional. They're contemporary and they're all metal and they're heavy. So imagine someone hitting that and lifting it and doing it like that. So um, you have to be ambidextrous because otherwise you would get a muscle and only one arm. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're very, the blocks are very right. heavy. They can be 10, 15 pounds. So wait, so okay, so I have my 60 yards, I go one row down, dry on dry, mm -hmm. do it again at the end of the day. How long does it take me to do that 60, if I'm doing 36? You can make, you can make a couple of passes in one day. Yeah. Because you have to line it up. You right. Have to, you have to dip it in, in a little ink sponge every time you hit it. Yeah. You have to line it up and make sure it's exactly, so there are little pin marks on the mm -hmm. block that line it up. So when you see little black marks on hand blocks, it's not a defect. It's actually the, the artist lining it up to be exactly in rotation. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even. So wait, I how mean, long does happens? it take me to do this 60 yards? Just this one 60 yards. How long does it take Months. me? Months. Months. Because then you have to dry it. I mean, oh yeah, and gosh. age it. And it's then like... I spend three years doing just this pattern. And then I spill wine on it. <laughs> Karen would not be allowed. No, be okay, drapes, that's my question. Like, what happens when you get to the very last, the last color and like the last pass and you like, someone like sneezes and you're like, oh. There's no one in the mill that has any wine or liquids whatsoever. And they're not allowed to be sick. They're very so. careful. I mean, if there's Some a seven wear masks. apprenticeship. Someone wear masks. Oh, my God. Wow. Man. I, okay. I'm, yeah. That's awesome. That's the top of the line. That's really the greatest stuff. Well, I mean, that's what we want to hear about. I want to yeah. know what you put in your house. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I have an empty you house now in Atlanta. You just moved here. You just moved to Atlanta. House. Welcome. Um, the floors are gray, so that's dictating the tone. And then mm -hmm. our artwork, which we have... Um, some Hunt Slunham, so he's one of our licensors. So he's a live artist that paints the famous bunnies. Yeah, and, yeah. Right? So we have a textile collection with him, and we have um, a wall covering collection with him and a rug collection. We actually run our second wall covering and textile collection, so every three, four years we update it. So we have some of his pieces that I, I kind of like his artwork, so we're going to focus a lot of our textiles around the art. Wait, so, so what kind of how, what kind of, what's the style of the house? Like, paint a picture for us. It's French farmhouse, you okay. know, so it's got, you know, contemporary feel to it. Um, it's not a lot of Lee Jover in there. Uh -huh. There's going to be a lot more <laughs> groundworks or creation metaphors. So creation metaphors is owned by Hermes. So they have very, very high expectations of their products. They do horse hair. They still weave horse hair. Wow. So the, the tails grow back. Okay. The, <laughs> so the fabric's very narrow. It's only 20 so on inches. So that's one of the things they do. And they do, whatever they do, they do by the best. They have the, you know, baby mohair. They have beautiful cashmere. They have beautiful, beautiful qualities. They also weave um, traditional, part of the Varel line is beautiful French archival designs from Louis to 15th, 16th, 17th. So that's the other side of who they are. But um, we're using that. I'm using some Kelly, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, a lot of embroideries. So I like the, the Indians who do a great job. Uh -huh. So we're... Put it all together now. Do you have kids? Yes. I have three. Uh-huh. Um, and one is in the business. One joined us last year. So how old? He's twenty seven. Wow. Right. You don't look that old. Thank you. <laughs> and I have a twenty five year old and a thirteen year old here in Atlanta. Wow. Is your twenty five year old a girl? She is. Does she live in New York? She does. My son's twenty five and he lives in New York. Yeah. <laughs> 
I figured out afterwards. <laughs> that was the, my whole motive for getting you. <laughs> All right, that's it. Well, that's it. That's the right. show. Thanks. <laughs> Can I uh, circle back about the archive? Because I just want to ask about sure. that. Did you start that? Or was that prior to you? Okay, so the archive, the Brunswick Archive, we inherited when we purchased them. So it's a magnificent textile. It rivals any museum. Um, it's accessible now. It was done on a Dewey Decimal System, so all the notes were written by hand in a catalog, like a librarian what? catalog. And the designer was not even, it was photographed on slides. So we had to transfer that over to our system, which is a Victorian Albert Museum. So it's a, it's a museum data-based um, archive program. So anyone can access that from our design team remotely, which is terrific. So the Brunswick archives are mostly French. So that was acquired. Lee Jofa, when we bought Lee Jofa, um, we had some archives where we build, we've been building up from Lee Jofa, mostly English designs. And anything I've bought the last 35 years are in there. So it's so about 35,000 designs. It's in Beth Page. Okay, so I've been there. So all of these things are in that one room mm -hmm. that I've been in. Right. But I just, got, I just got handed a great collection. So there's an American mill in Pennsylvania called Orinoco Mills. Weavers also of, of silk, velvets, and jacquards from the 1870s and 1990s. And these are all the artwork for the designs. So 10,000 designs was given to me both point paper, which is, had the, which is the weave structure, as well as the original designs from 1950s on for the most part. So they just gifted that to me, and I've been sorting that through in the last few months. So okay. that's also a new, a new addition to our archive. So we're great keepers of it. We get to use it. And mm -hmm. I, again, I encourage people to come through. So we had someone yesterday come through and um, give them a little bit of a tour. If you don't share the archive, why have it? Right. Okay. Can we go? I want to go. Yeah, you have to go. Do a field trip? Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. very, very interesting. And the great thing is you, you do have it all digitally. So like if you're looking for something specific, you can like whip through mm -hmm. hundreds of designs on the screen and then be like, oh, here, and it's right over there in that drawer. And then you just go pull it out and it's right there. Right, so we do a lot of reproductions off of that for special projects. I'm doing a beautiful um, silk damask now for a restoration project in, in upstate New York. And, you know, they'll pay, on silk velvet, they'll pay $195 a yard. Mm -hmm. And where are all your mills? All over They're the world? world. Mm -hmm. um, the Indians do a great job of embroideries. Most of our embroideries come from there. I mean, China also has embroideries, but the creation, aesthetic point of view is not as great from China mm -hmm. as it is in India. Um, a lot of the silk mills in Bangalore used to come from Rajasthan, so they, they also can weave some great textiles as well as embroider. The velvets tend to come from Belgium, and then the Italians do great tapestries and silks as well, so it depends on where you are. The Thai do great silk, but those are mostly warp ecats that are really specific. So mm -hmm. the Thai silk is completely different than the Chinese silk. The cocoon itself is rougher. It's controlled by the royal family. It's a yellow cocoon. If you take one cocoon and you keep walking, pull one strand, keep walking, it's 400 yards. And if you take a Chinese cocoon and keep walking one strand, it's a mile. What? So it's much finer, but the Thai silk just is rougher. It has a heavier um, tactile feel to it, and it's limited. So you can't really, they're not exporting that silk yarn to all different countries. So it's always mm -hmm. in-house in the Thai people. We've also on a lot of handlooms still. So it's a, still a bit of a craft. Wow. Honestly, I feel like we could have like a whole just a podcast about, I mean, not an episode, but like a whole, a whole, a whole show yeah. that just talks about it because this is, I mean, it's pretty good. So, so much. There's yeah. a line we have within Brundrig, Leech Ofa, because the showrooms are now, some of them are blended. He's called Jagtar. So he's a Thai weaver. He's a, a Sikh. And he has people 
weaving in the neighborhood. So you go to the neighborhood, there's house, 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 and all of a sudden you see metal bars and strands of beautiful purple, pink, blue silk in the front yard, and he has about 15, 20 looms. Each person comes and they have their own loom, that's their loom for the forever, and they'll weave four or five yards a day, that's all they can weave. It's a pedal loom, so they use their feet and throw it by hand, the shuttle across, so they have to have some kind of rhythm to them, and it's almost like a, a textile dance, and they've been doing it for years and years and years, and it's all small production, so they weave 50, weave 25 yards, they cut it out and ship it to us, but they weave maybe 50 to 100 yards per skew. Okay, I want to go back a little bit because I feel like you just like have such a passion for fabric and obviously this is a family business so you grew up seeing that but tell us a little bit about I don't know where this I'll, comes I'll, from I'll and give you the the, the little the yeah. family story. Yeah. Um great grandfather, okay, so I'm fourth generation was um came over from Riverside on the Roof yes. and the end of the show they forced the people to leave the little town of Vanatefka. That was my great-grandfather, came with a sewing machine, literally, to, to America, settled in Lower East Side of Manhattan. He was a very good tailor, as we understand. Um, back then, there was um, suits made out of muslin, so he had a couple of fittings and trials, and people would come with a motored coach or a chauffeur for $100 for a suit, which is a lot of money, turn of the century. And back then, there was no sleeve length. There was always just one sleeve length, and it was elastic garters that would kind of give you the dimensions to that and, and um, socks or stockings. Oh, so so that wore, would hold your sleeve so, to the right exactly. leg. I always wondered why they wore those on yeah, their arms. Yeah, exactly. The little bartenders kind okay, of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he worked in elastic factory also. And um, my dad tells stories that he would rewind the seconds of the spools in the elastic factory. Um, so very good suits. And then he got invited into the people's homes. And in the homes, he noticed that the pictures were hung by rosettes and then some cording. Mm-hmm. So, and they also had cabinets, but they didn't have any key tassels. And then they had drapes, but they didn't have any tiebacks. So it went from suiting to trimmings and passementary. And then it so where did he know t- about a tie back? Like was that he no he he just saw that they needed something to to tie back to drape, and then he gotcha. sourced the passementary because of the elastic and notions connection that he had because it mm-hmm. always elastic factory had notions and spools of thread and, and trimmings, you know, little oh. cordings and little tapes and things of that nature. So, so he um, took it from apparel to, to home. home exactly, okay. and he had four children. My grandfather being the oldest, all four sons were in the business. Uh, my grandfather lived the longest. He was an outside salesman. Um, back then, we were only New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. My dad is the oldest. Um, wanted to stay in the medical field after World War II. My grandmother said, no, 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 no. You're the oldest. You're going to go into the business. Your younger brother was 14. Someday, he'll become a doctor. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so it's all because my grandmother were all sitting here today. Um, my dad was a one-man band show. was an outside salesman, a great taste. And my brother is the oldest. He came into the business a little before I did. And he runs the facility with my sister-in-law and sister. And I got um, pushed to the creative side. (laughs) And that's all I do. So we don't overlap whatsoever. We get along great. And I know since the age of five or six, I was always going to pick colors with my dad on the porch. And that's all I wanted to do. I just went to Philadelphia Textile. It makes more sense for the technical aspect. And here we are, 35, 40 (laughs) years later, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's how we, Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. So you've you've been learning about fabric literally since you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was in there. Wow. Wow. Because your knowledge. So I mean, I, just, I, yeah, I traveled with my dad for 35, 40 years, as long as, you know, that's professionally. And then I traveled with him beforehand. So, yeah. so it's always been kids, around. Well, you said one of them. Just one's, yeah, one's in the business. The- um, he was responsible for sales and marketing. 
And he's got passion. I got a niece and nephew. One's working in the Boston showroom. She's involved with our furniture line, so she's terrific. And I got another nephew who's in the business who's t- focusing on the, the f- finance and administrative. So it's all working really well so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so far so good. That's pretty unusual. I yeah. Think, it's very unusual because you have siblings that always get along f- in business usually well. At least that's what we've always known. I mean, I've, I've heard of our, a lot of our competitors where the siblings hate each other and the business is falling apart. Um, but, but the challenge is now the next generation to yeah. find their way within the organization that they have, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like, it probably helps that everyone has their little niche. I yes. guess. Yeah. And they're you all know? passionate. So yeah. yeah, it's just a matter of getting them getting experience. <laughs> right. Well, to bring this back down to the, you know, people like me, you know, I like, <laughs> I like a pattern, you know, I'm not elevated enough to know my jacquard weaves. Right. How how would one when out there shopping for their home, like you said, we start with some inspiration. But how do we know a good quality fat? Like, how can you tell if it's good? Yeah. Decent, yeah. Like all our fabrics are good. good. <laughs> what, what makes it ha- high quality? Where it's made, how it's crafted, the amount of time, whether it be the hand blocks or the embroideries. So the embroideries that we have, some of them are 54, 54 inches of cloth. The embroidery is only 52 inches. Mm-hmm. So when you match it sell to salvage on draperies, you have to be careful to repeat. But you take seven yards you fo- on, on a blank canvas, literally. You fold it in half, so it's 27 inches, and you put it on an embroidery machine, and it'll take you up to 12 hours to embroider those seven yards. And after 12 hours, you flip it over, and you do the other seven yards. So 24 hours for seven yards of production. Mm-hmm. So when you buy a densely embroidered, Textile, you're paying for it. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, so everyone everyone has reasons what's what's a great a great fabric. What makes a more practical fabric would be the double rubs. So there's a couple of standards we have in the states called the Wiesenbeck or Weisenbeck standard. It's a double rub, but it does. It's a machine that tests the fabric in both the the warp and the fill up and across, mm-hmm. and it shows to a point of breakage or noticeable noticeable wear. So if it's under ten thousand double rubs. I wouldn't recommend it for a high traffic area. 15,000 teams tends to be the residential exception, you know, mm-hmm. acceptable amount. Contract is now going 30,000 or 50,000 double rubs. Most of our textiles in Kravit meet 30,000 double rubs or more, which is good for hotels, but it's great for your home. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the rub test, which gives you indication, it's also about the finish. So you can have a great textile that goes 30,000 double rubs, but if you don't put a finish, a performance finish on it, you can spill wine on it, you're finished. So the finishes way back when used to be called Zpel, which was a, a chemical topical treatment. Then it was called Scotchgard. Then it was called Teflon. And today it's called Krypton. So Krypton is not topical. It's a double dipping, dipping method which goes into a bath and it, nanotechnology adheres to the fiber itself and embeds itself into the fabric itself. So it'll never wear out. So Krypton's mm-hmm. really great. When Krypton first came out, it was meant for mostly for hospitality and hospitals and, and really old age homes. Um, so it was very stiff. Now the Krypton finish is softened and it's good for regular residential. So it's great and safe for your pets, for your children, for your grandparents. And it's great for liquids and spills and markers and food and everything else. So if I had to push one mm-hmm. um, name, it would be Krypton or the, well, Krypton Technology. And there are other people who compete with t- Krypton, which would be Nanotex and also Ulta. So those are the same kind of... I mean, they all think they're different, but they're basically the same protective. They all adhere to the fiber itself, the fabric itself, and it's all permanent. So you want some kind of, you have a beautiful white mm-hmm. linen sofa. You want to make sure that, you know, red wine's not going to spill on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. want to put a Krypton on it. So can you put 
can you coat any fabric in no. Krypton? Or no. do you have to buy it? It's already bought. No. Already no. treated. So there are certain <laughs> mills and weavers that that are allowed and licensed to use Krypton brand. Okay. So, there so I can't buy a bottle and spray it on. No, you cannot. Okay. <laughs> but you can't you, you, start you, your you own You can buy bath. something else that may not, that may not last long. Uh-huh. But you, you, I mean, you certainly can do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Right. Okay. So there's certain. So when you see Krypton, it is official. It is done at the mill level, and it is lifelong. Okay. Now, so oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like compared to Sombrella. So Sombrella is a UV friendly yarn. So yarn comes two ways. It comes as a carrot or a radish. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a radish is most of our cotton and viscose. It has a core white yarn, and then it's dyed around. Okay. The Sombrella, which is a UV friendly yarn, is a carrot. When you cut it, it's a monofilament like a fishing line. It's through and through. So because it's a UV filament, um, it's impervious to mildew, um, bacteria, and UV friendly won't fade over time. It has a limitation to it. Mm-hmm. So there are other people who make UV friendly yarns. So there's Belladora and there's, but Sombrella is the, and Glen Raven are the other real champions of that outdoor mm-hmm. fabric. Mm-hmm. So what and an outdoor part? fabric is being used indoors. Oh yeah, because it is bleach cleanable. So if you got a stain on it, mm. unlike Krypton, which you know the surface has to be blotted and has to be, the stain has to be cleaned. With if there's a mustard stain on a UV friendly umbrella fabric, you hit it with a mild bleach and it'll come out. Yeah, yeah. We love. I mean, we saw it a lot. Yeah, yeah. we we use mm-hmm. it a lot. I have a very important question. You're sitting question, on it right though. now. <laughs> this umbrella. Oh, this is mm-hmm. that we are. Um, my question right now is what fabric are you doing your sofa the one that you eat pizza and wine on mm-hmm. with your mm-hmm. kids we eat, eat outside you're not allowed to eat in the sofa <laughs> <laughs> oh the real answer i love it the sofa's covered in plastic we don't uh, even stores <laughs> it's very cold in the winter <laughs> meanwhile it's 30 degrees no so now. we're gonna put a um a performance stay clean vinyl on our bar stools mm-hmm. and that will be anti-graffiti anti-stain and that's what that's what you're gonna News. Mm-hmm. I mean, other yeah. than that, you call it anti graffiti, right? So you, you take little crayons with yeah. kids, and it will wipe right off. I love the name, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taryn, this is what we need. Stay clean. We need some yes, anti graffiti mothers, or eat outside. That's yeah, option two. Or eat, or eat out. Never eat at home. That's true. Yeah. Never eat at home. That's, that makes sense. So one of the questions we get the most, like, if you look on our website and you look at the questions people ask, one of the top questions is. What should I upholster my sofa in? So mm-hmm. you're using a um, a vinyl for your bar, bar oh. stools and performance. But like if if you don't necessarily, you know, have the budget per, for a performance fabric, what sort of things should you look for? Like, But let me ask this, Caroline. I think you should rethink your budget. I'm not kidding. Because if, if you're going to shortchange yourself now, you're going to have to replace it sooner. So growing up, we had slipcovers. Yeah. Okay. We had we had no air conditioning, so you had summer and winter, and you had a beautiful silk for the winter time, and in summertime you did a little ticking on top because you know all the dirt and so forth. So people are going back to slipcovers, yeah. not plastic slipcovers. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> Face stuck to the. No, it's so not plastic covers, but slipcovers is an option. So if you really mm-hmm. have you know crazy pets, and some people love pets, to, I mean you can train your pet to be on the floor or on the sofa. It depends on what your your tolerance level is. But if you want to change that out, you can either wash it or throw it out mm-hmm. um, and redo your slipcovers. So that's one option. But if you want to choose textiles, you have to be smart about it. You have to figure out what's the which ones am I using most in what rooms. Mm-hmm. So there are some rooms you never sit in. You yeah. can you can put 
because velvet, velvet's a great textile, but velvet's gonna mark, whether it be silk velvet, linen velvet, cotton velvet, it's all gonna mark. And there's a light way and a dark way, it depends upon how it sits. So when you put it on the back of a chair and also on the cushion, you make sure that the upholstery room or workroom knows how to lay it because there is almost like a light and dark version of it. Mm -hmm. But um, if you are gonna sit in that room all the time, then you may not want to use a velvet on a sofa. It's gonna right. it's gonna show pressure marks. Mm -hmm. It's gonna show claw marks from whatever animal you might have. Mm -hmm. um, so you put that velvet in a, in a you know remote living room that you're not gonna or in a bedroom that you're not gonna use so often. So you have to be smart about what you're using where. Right. Um, you don't want to put silk at the window. It's gonna rot. So unless you if you if you're so yeah. married to having silk at the window, you have to have a liner. A dimmer, a barrier, so the sun hits that and doesn't eat away at your textile. You're spending so no fortune because the, sun, the sun, sun will eat away silk and also will change and oxidize the coloring of silk. Mm. So if you put a purple silk at the window within a year or so, if it's direct sunlight, it's going to turn into a light lavender. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Because the dye stuff so they you have use to have a really in India, liner right? If you're gonna yeah. Or a window that isn't getting right. the sun. All of our silk drapery is lined. Well, we have, yeah, that's all lined. Right. <laughs> um, so you have to be careful on what you use. You have to be logical. Yeah. Well, so if you're shopping and you don't necessarily like, we have a lot of sofas that our sort of base fabric is like a linen. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to figure Linen's out. Linen's a wonderful fiber. Linen is going to stretch with humidity. Mm -hmm. So if you use linen on a drapery, the best thing to do is just kind of puddle it on the floor because you don't have that hiking business. It could hike a couple of inches, depends on where you live in the in the world. Um, linen's a terrific fiber and it will wear as it goes on. You put a linen suit on, you look great in the morning. Sometimes at the end of the day, you don't look so great mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, if you do a, a light color linen, you have to put some kind of protective mm -hmm. coating on. You have to put, you know, whether it's a fiber seal or whether you put a um, Krypton or some kind of, repellent stain repellent on it otherwise you're susceptible to tossing that chair or sofa out in no time right <laughs> it's intimidating i know i gotta it's, say right well no you said you you said you know be smart about it but that's that is where i'm like my education's limited i yeah. you know yes i know my dog's gonna sit on my sofa so yes like i want a performance there but to your point about the silk i didn't I, I like know sunlight does damage to all fabrics with the no, um, particularly silk. But particularly silk. See, that. that was that was. But there knowledge. are but there are UV friendly yarns you can you can use yeah. inside. A lot of yeah. our UV fabrics are, you know, dining room. They're mm -hmm. used for the kitchenette mm -hmm. and living room. Mm -hmm. Do do you use your? I know your line's very extensive. What's the best for even like bedding? Like say you want to do custom bedding. Do you have, what's the best fabric for that? <laughs> soft and light. Yeah. I don't know. Mer Mercerized Egyptian cotton. So soft and beautiful. I mean, it's all about the pillows afterwards. So put everyone <laughs> on the on the bed, but it's really, yeah. if you can. If you. And, and, and your headboard, you know, pulse your headboard, extra yardage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. What are you seeing trending in fabrics? Is it, um, it's this twofold question. One is, are you seeing certain styles and things like that trending? Or are you seeing technology doing things to fabric that it hadn't done in the past? Boy, Answer in a, any order a, you'd it's like. A load, it's a loaded question. <laughs> um, the large scale patterns are coming less and less, becoming more pillow focused. So people are decorating with solid textures and plain velvet. So the world is, but you can change out those pillows. So you can change the mood of your house if you like, by season or by desire. Mm -hmm. um, Whim. <laughs> right? Technology, I mean, the machines 
they weave faster, but there's nothing different than they wove 50 or 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. So technology is, I mean, only in the digital printing world has technology really changed. And technology has changed with the chemical application of Krypton or Alter or Nanotex, whatever you like to put on there. But overall, technology and weaving has not really changed greatly. Mm -hmm. um, that's good. That's yeah, good. okay. So, you know, don't worry. In terms of like <laughs> trends, like, it's what are all, you? It's all over. I, I mean, probably by different markets too. So, a lot of people use Jeffrey Allen Marsh because it's coastal. A lot of people live on the coast. Mm -hmm. So, most of our population lives on East Coast, West Coast, or lives around the water. Mm -hmm. so, so, people like, you know, serenity and calmness and mm -hmm. even traditional homes. So, it's going to swing back. It's been mid-century modern for a few years. And what's happening is the grandparents and parents are passing away and leaving some beautiful things to the next generation, but they necessarily don't want to live like their parents. So the traditional damas and imberlines and tapestries are not the same as they used to be, but they want something traditional. So traditional is going to swing back, but it's going to be more of a contemporary palette. So it's a softer, easier palette. You want some memento from your grandparents or parents, but right. you don't want that heavy... You don't Red want to damask yeah. that was sitting there. Mm -hmm. So you're taking elements out of it, and then you're twisting mm -hmm. it to your own light and your and your and your desire and palette. Is that what you've done? Yes. So I one, imagine you have so, a match. So, uh, so, so, no, so, so that's one collection we have coming out, um, the Greenwich Collection, which is part of Kravit. It's documents designs, which we bought from that mill in France. So it's Jacobean designs with coordinates. It's very very traditional, but mm -hmm. it has a soft, easy palette. Spa aqua. Soft mm -hmm. slate gray, you know, calming colors that are easy to live with. Mm -hmm. I have another question. All right, so you do <laughs> these, you you have a fabric. You're like, yes, this design's going to do well. So you do it in your 10 colorways or five. Mm -hmm. What's the colorway or top two that you're like, oh, this is going to, is there a certain color? That so currently works? it's mm -hmm. neutrals, warm, t neutral, beiges, yeah. creams. Grays are extremely important. All shades of blue. Mm -hmm. And then the spa aqua, spa aqua color. And then... It goes straight down after that. So yeah. people always talk, oh, I want purple, I want yellow, I want orange. That's great, but you're not going to live with those bright colors yeah. in your main room 24-7 for 10 years straight. It's you know, it just it's great to wear that those bright colors, but you tend to take them off at night. Um, <laughs> you're not taking your drapes down. You know, yeah, <laughs> and it's a huge investment yeah. in, those, in those stronger yeah. colors. Mm -hmm. So unless you've really got great collection of art or mm -hmm. pottery or whatever you collect glass that's going to complement those yes. sharper brighter colors i mean if you live in england where in london it's kind of gray and dark you may want some bright colors you maybe want some bright colors that's mm -hmm. fine but yeah. we don't live with you know no sun for three yeah. or four months out of the time so colors are important but those are the colors selling so we have linen our best one of our best selling cloths is linen well, you don't offer a lot of purples and yellows and orange and lime greens. Yeah. I mean, you can find that in online, but you're going to do it through our license. We have a collection with Lily Pulitzer. You're going to find mm -hmm. those bright colors. You're going to live in Florida or somewhere coastal. You're going to make mm -hmm. pillows or drapes out of it yeah. or for a kid's room, and you're going to live with it, and it's happy. Yeah. But it's yeah. not for the main main room. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't, want, I don't want that kind of happy. You are seeing color. I'm kidding. It was but outdoors for patios yeah. and pools, you'll see some brighter That's oranges and some are. lime mm -hmm. greens and things like that nature. So you definitely do see more color around the pool. But those cushions you take in after a season or two. Yeah, that's that's true. Mine are gray. 
I'm so that boring. Was, no one's shocked that listens to this podcast. No one's, no one's shocked. Is there anything that you've found recently that you're just like, like what, what is surprising you right now about things that you're seeing? Like, like Kelly, maybe for example, or I'm surprised at, at a... how much competition there is. Okay. There's such a proliferation. You go around to all the design showrooms in ADAC or any design center or magazines shelter magazines or trade magazines or even your your publication there's so much available because of the internet so right. if you focus that way you can find things it's amazing mm-hmm. what's out there and you can't be everything to everybody but we try i mean we, we have a full gamut and then they got to come to our showroom and they say okay i'll take these few memos and they go to someone else's showroom yeah. looking for the next it's like the, the search of the hunt yeah we might have those things in someone else's showroom that we have in our showroom but they didn't find in our showroom but they have to justify the the process yeah. Mm. It is a lot of choices. It's there so are a lot choice. of choices. Overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. We have 70,000 fabrics. Wow. It's a lot of it's a lot of choices. Who names yeah. them? Um, <laughs> the com- well, it has to run by the computer, so we don't duplicate the name. And the names that we had many, many years ago, like uh, print was named Grimm and Fiasco. Those people are no longer working for us. Grimm? And Fiasco were two, like 30 years ago. So, awesome. so you have to have some kind of nice name. Yeah. And you, you, have to, and you have to be able to spell it. <laughs> So, oh my can, gosh, the spelling board is right. so because we struggle with Because you can have the word that. like Raleigh and Raleigh, yeah. and if it's too close, and you can order the wrong oh. pattern and get that applied to your furniture, and then oh. you got to redo it all. So you have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. So the computer checks everything. But we have our purchasing team, and now after so many years, it's not easy to name something over and oh, over yeah. and over again. Right. And you're limited to 10 digits. What? To 10 huh. digit uh, code, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, you might want to rethink Groom. I know. <laughs> Grimmy. It's not so bad. That's called crime. Crime. Right? Right? <laughs> or crime. I mean, I, so don't hire me for that job. No. You're already fired. <laughs> but sometimes you try to give a name that's evocative of the spirit of the textile itself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 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 And the studio people tend to do that. The person who creates a textile or oversees the production of it tend to name their fabrics. Yeah, they're probably connected to it. So here's the, the two-second story on color, and all our colors are numbers. And it goes back to my grandfather and uncle. They sat down and got this formula. So one is white, and six is brown. So 16 is a combination of one and six. So it's, a, it's a, more of a, a beige color. So five is blue, all right? 15 would be a light blue. 1515 would be also a light blue. So there's a method to the madness. Yeah. So we have huh. three is green, four is gold, five is blue, six is brown, seven is pink, eight is black, and so forth and so on. So, so there's a number system. So anytime you to go into our showrooms and you say, oh, color 11, everyone knows 11 is gray. Color one, everything's going to be a 101 or 101. Yeah. Everything's going to be white. Why would 11 be white, white? Because um, 101 is white. I thought <laughs> one was white. It is. It's just a, that's just the ex- exception to the rule. So, yeah. There's I don't like this system. <laughs> but, but people shop online know that all or anything with a five is going to have some kind of blue in it. Anything okay. with a three is going to have a green, uh, shade of green in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that makes sense. If yeah. I'm looking at your collection online and I'm looking at a fabric, I'll see that number mm-hmm. like front and center. Okay. Yes. Cool. So there are only, there are 10 numbers, one through zero, zero through nine. Yeah, you know, like ten is purple. I mean, ten colors. Ten's purple. Eleven well, how is the combination instead of that's one. What, so yeah. that's the, those are the weird ones. Like ten, eleven, and twelve. Those are weird ones. Ten, eleven, and, yeah. and, and twelve are the weird ones. So ten is purple, not mm-hmm. white. Not white. Right. Tish. 
<laughs> but 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 ten ten would be a light purple. <laughs> anyway, there's a, there's a method to the madness. Has someone tried to steal that? Like no, I think we don't, no. It's, people are very it make very opinionated and people, people are like, oh, that's not that's not spa. It's it's you know it's yeah light mint. Well, instead of getting to argue about what it's called, it's right. color thirteen. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> like move on. It. I like and also, the, and also the desk pounding for, for, for colorblind people. You know. They, they, they should get it. out of the business. That's well, all my, I have my, to say. My, my brother's colorblind. One out of 16 yeah, but men he's on the business side, right? One right. out of 16 yeah. men are colorblind. That's Some true. shade. Yeah. A oh, red, brown, a blue, green. Yeah. Hmm? Some shade. Do they all know it? Yeah. Or, my they, don't dad admit, does. or they don't admit to it. Oh. Or so, they, how do you know, though, if you're colorblind? How would you know? Someone tells you you're dressed funny. Mm. Oh, or you run a stop sign. You're like, that was great. Lights are tough. Street lights are tough. Yeah. I know several guy friends. I have several guy friends who are colorblind. I have one. And they, they know like oh, mm-hmm. I only wear blue because <laughs> right, I'm exactly, not green. Exactly, exactly. So, so they need this color system. <laughs> yes, That's what it is. they're like this shirt is 15, so I know that it's, it's like, a blue. It's like animals; yeah. it just what, matches. Exactly. One of my girlfriends, her husband's colorblind, and she says every day, "He's like, do these match?" Mm-hmm. He has to. Add, I mean, because right. he you don't look silly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she needs to put a number system on his clothing. Yeah, and then you have to at least tell them copyright of <laughs> copyright <laughs> Scott Kravitz. <laughs> You know what? This podcast is helping people. (laughs) Helping you not look like a fool. Okay, so you've just come back from around the world. What was the most exciting thing you saw that you're excited about? The archives that I bought Mm -hmm. at the Paris flea market. Was there a favorite one? There's an embroidery about the size of this table. It's um, done for the French opera, and it's in a a Chinese motif, and it's, it's a spectacular textile. Wow. Couldn't leave it there. And I did um, acquire some Torah scrolls coverings I mm-hmm. found at one of these places. So I just couldn't let them sit there. So I took those and we'll give them to some synagogue as a nice little memento of carrying on. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Let's say you buy a couple, several yards of, of an antique fabric. What what happens to you? When so you, you have to change it. it. You have to change it because if, if it's a textile that's woven, printed, um, or embroidered, some production of that existed somewhere down the line. So there's a possibility some of your competitors might have that same document or same mm-hmm. swatch somewhere. So you have to change it by three elements, either scale, color, or motif. So we do that. But if it's original art from that one mill that I told you about, then we can actually do that exactly as is. Mm-hmm. So that's the copyright attorneys that we have in, in, in-house that tell us what we can and can't do. But the mm-hmm. remnant you're getting, like, mm-hmm. do you save the entire piece of that remnant in your archive or do you oh, yeah. save like a certain- No, 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 whatever we can save. As big a piece. So, you know, I went to a great lecture from a competitor. She has the archives um, mostly from Palace of Versailles. They actually reproduced textiles for the Palace of Versailles in a small little weaving mill in Lyon with gold and silk threads. Extremely expensive, not $300 to the trade, like $1,500 to the trade. I mean, just ridiculously gorgeous. And she gave a lecture of all her archives that she had. And she showed that when Marie Antoinette came to uh, Versailles, she was not a queen, she was a dauphin. And she didn't like the floral jackhearts were there. They were very too, they were very large. She wanted something petite from the gardens and embroidered. So she got those made. So after the lecture, I happened to find a piece of the Paris flea market that's in one of the petit trianon. Um, mm-hmm. It says in the back of the piece, you know, Marie Antoinette, Palace of Versailles. So I just had to have that one. But it's a scrap. You know, it's probably eight inches tall, and I know what the rest of it looks like. But I'm glad just to have a little remnant of it. Yeah. Can you give, I, I, don't, I don't want you to tell me how much you spent for anything, but can you give us a general idea of the range of pricing you're paying for some of these things? So a little scrap was 100 euro. Okay. There's nothing. If you buy 
a good piece of art today, whether it be a trade show, there's a couple of trade shows in, in the, that we have twice a year, you pay between 800 to $1,500 or euros per design, depending upon the complexity and um, the originality of it. Mm-hmm. And if you buy a few pieces, it's somewhat negotiable, but not really. It's probably $1,100, $1,200 per design. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's what we pay for it. And then if you're off the street, maybe they'll charge you maybe 50% more. Do yeah. you ever personally use antique fabrics in your house? Like to- I have some original drawings in the old house. We'll see about Right now it's all um, new art. But, but we'll you say, only use, you have the drawings, you not don't have the, the actual, textile itself. Yeah. Uh, we haven't gotten there yet. We're still on the, the rugs. We're ordering rugs for us. <laughs> hey, grimaces. <laughs> We've hit him at a bad time. <laughs> if we hit him a few months later, probably be Very like, different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then that just means we have to have you back. Yeah, right. we'll have you back. You've got a lot to say. I like it. Yeah. I feel like this we should do some questions now okay how do we feel about you that you can help our listeners with their dilemmas yes oh boy mm-hmm. so we taryn will read day. us our first one okay oh, taryn will read us our dilemma this is from jacqueline mm-hmm. and she says hi ladies thank you for your advice regarding my last question I like the idea of a roman shade for that window <laughs> That window to help mask its small size i have another question if that's okay it's too full regarding my ceiling Number one, the ceiling is currently a very dark gray with a lot of brown undertone. I don't necessarily mind it, but I have been wondering if another color would be better. I can't decide whether to go lighter with the color or stay dark. What color should it be? I thought about a slightly lighter shade than what I used for the back of the bookshelf, but thought perhaps bringing in another palette, something besides the gray and blue-green, might be more interesting. Side note, I would so love to have closed storage rather than these shelves as I'm homeschool and therefore can't have only pretty things on the shelf. Um, Number two, the previous owner put in track light on both the sides of the room and it's not a good look. I can't decide how to replace them. Do I place it with recessed light? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't feel like I can use a light fixture as it's on both sides of the room and it would seem off to have two. I would love to replace our ceiling fan with a beautiful light fixture, but it gets rather toasty in the summer here and my husband would like to stay. Or like, like, like it to stay, he not he would like to stay. He would like to stay. He doesn't want to be cast aside. <laughs> I've attached updated pictures of the room as well and would welcome feedback about anything in it, really. Thanks for the po- podcast. I truly enjoy listening as I go about my day. A few things to note. The boob light is set to be replaced and the frames around the TV mm. still have the pictures they came in with sitting in them. My husband and sister are artists and I'm waiting on them to finish the pieces that will eventually be displayed. I want to describe what she's talking about with her ceiling. So she has, some, her walls are gray, I'd say gray, taupe. Her ceiling is very dark, mm-hmm. um, almost chocolate. Mm-hmm. Hard to tell exactly the color. And then she has beams in the room and trim in the room and built-ins in the room and all of that's painted white. So it's very contrasty with the very dark ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I know you're over there mumbling, Scott. I think you th- agree. Like paint that everything the same color in the ceiling, wouldn't you? The- right. And if you want, you can put some nice lighter accents in the beams themselves. That would be great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's dark. Yeah, and I you would. Want, you want recessed lighting? You want nice LED, LEDs today are fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. do a you little want, You want to light because the whole room mm-hmm. is dark. Yeah, and you can easily have doors made to go on those bookshelves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just get. Cabinet doors attached with hinges and cover because you want that closed That's door. She idea. has open built-in bookshelves, and it's full. It's not doesn't look bad. It's just full of 
books and things and I know she even hung art on the front of it. Which I like. She, I yeah, I love when people do that. So, mm-hmm. um, but I like, and she did surround point. her television with six prints, which looks great. Like she's saying, she's waiting for the art to go on them. Mm-hmm. But the scale and everything around that is it's great. I think it looks nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally love a ceiling fan. I think this one in particular, I is, it matches the boob it's light. Not your favorite. Yes, it's not my favorite style, but I, I don't know. What y'all it's a boob light like? fan. Yeah, it's a boob light fan. <laughs> it is. Um, and aren't you of the belief that of light and a fan shouldn't be combined? Yes. Personally, I should like be one of the, the quality other. of light in a fan. Not great. Is never good. So if you're gonna mm-hmm. do a fan, that's cool. Just make it a fan without a light. Or if you're gonna do a light, don't do a light with a fan. Like mm-hmm. pick one. one. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think if you did the um, the the uh, recessed. Yeah, just like Scott and Karen, we're gonna saying. have plenty of light in there. Then you yeah. won't need the light. And on you the have fan. lots of good um, lamps in here, and plus it's gonna feel lighter if you paint the ceiling. Yes, paint the ceiling and the beams the same color. Yeah, I am a big fan <laughs> of <laughs> our Carter fan, which you own, which I have three of in my house, and <laughs> big fan, <laughs> a real big fan. Um, but I just really like it because the blade shape is like very clean. It's not. It doesn't have like any weird shape to it yeah it's not ornate and i personally really like it has like a zinc finish to it which i think is really pretty but um anyways there are tons of fans out there just pick one that's and they're not functional and pretty yeah Yeah. it doesn't have to be expensive without a light exactly Mm -hmm. but i do like what's going on in there good job yeah it looks it looks really nice all right Um, got all those lamps so you all come to the archive you come to beth page yes we do go to open, New York every once in a while. Open to do invitation, so we'll come. Be great. Come up there. Amazing. How long can Amazing. how how long is it open? Like, can we come all day? You can well, come as long we as have you to want. make an appointment. There's a person oh. there who's in the charge archivist. of the room, and yeah, it's it's. A do deal. you have to wear something special, like a cape? You, you, could, you could you could wear a smock. Um, okay. You could wear gloves if you want. You can wear a mask if you want. It's up to you. It's personal. Most only, of only thing I tell you don't plastic. let us lick anything. So if you were to lick the things I was working on yesterday, which are arsenic, it would not be good. What I ask, right, ask, ask you to do is wash your hands afterwards. Got if you don't want to wear gloves, definitely wash your hands. Afterwards? You mean before? Well, you can before so you don't have any oils on your hand. But I'm saying after you're touching all these documents, yeah. the only thing I tell everyone who comes to the archive, if you don't want to wear gloves, yeah. just go wash your hands. Because mm-hmm. the arsenic. Wait, why is there arsenic in it? Because the paint stuff, the dyes they used back then on blues and greens in particular have arsenic in it. (sighs) So don't lick the paintings (laughs) and don't lick your fingers. Dummy. (laughs) This is why I'm the way I am. If you ever want to murder your husband, take him there and be like, honey, this is delicious. Mm. (laughs) And then have him lick it. Don't Very good advice. Well, I'm excited to come visit. (laughs) This took a turn. It did. (laughs) Right at the end. (laughs) All right, Scott. We're going to ask yeah. you, how can people find Kravit or you? Like, do you have an Instagram? Like, how do if people are interested in knowing more about your fabrics and your stuff, Savannah, your right-hand lady down there, is going to tell us. So we have a great website, and it's very simple, www.kravit.com, and that's K-R-A-V as in Victor, E-T. And you can also find us on Instagram um, at Kravit, Inc., and um, between those two, it, you can really just like open up a world linked to lots of other websites and um, historic and archival information as well as new collections. You have Kravit TV? Yes. If you, um, if you search on YouTube or Vimeo, our marketing team will sometimes be posting content 
um, sometimes from some of Scott's adventures, mm-hmm. um, interviews with licensors, talking about their process and um, how they've come to create collections that are launching. Um, so it's always really interesting. And um, if you are ever in a design center anywhere around the country, you're welcome to visit our showrooms as well. Thank goodness Perfect. you're here. Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you. A wealth of info. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping thank by. You. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show so it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And follow us on social media. And very exciting news. The How to Decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on Amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much easier. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.